Just as a quick note before the podcast, my microphone wasn't very good during this interview, so there's a lot of feedback. Um, but please stick with it. It was a really interesting discussion. Um, it was really interesting to get Nana's insights um, from her being both a student and now a staff member. Um, so I really hope you enjoy. And again, really sorry for the sound quality. Hi, how are you doing? Hi, Rowan, I'm good. How are you doing? Good. Thanks so much for um, being to speak to me today. Um, I thought we could start by just sort of um, giving us a little bit of an introduction about yourself. So my name's Nana um, and I'm currently the Global Lounge Assistant um, with the Global Lounge team at the uni, but I used to work for the Student Inclusion team as their intern for Black, Asian, ethnic minority students, as well as international students. Uh, yeah, so what is the um, Student Inclusion team? Like, What sort of things um, do they do? So um, the student inclusion team is basically set up to help traditionally marginalised students so that whilst they're in university, um, their university experience is as inclusive as possible um, so that they can really get the best degrees that they deserve because everyone arrives at university with pretty much the same um, academic background, but obviously different social backgrounds and then it's the social backgrounds that tend to be the difference in the awarding gaps. So um, the uh, inclusion team helps people who are like mature students or fame students, international students, um, students who've just had like hard time growing up. So there's a Bristol Scholars Programme and there's also a peer support programme which helps with past like peer assisted study and also um, with the mentor scheme that all first years get so there's just a lot of helping students settle into Bristol properly um sort of schemes so yeah and um they also have a massive focus on belonging so that's one of the reasons why there is that higher um say dropout rate or lower awarding gaps lower awarding um degree classifications for the students that I just mentioned because whilst they're at university they don't tend to feel belonging to the university because um, they aren't the typical traditional um, student. They're not, um, yeah, basically. Sounds amazing, yeah. What was your role within the team? So what issues um, did you focus on specifically? Um, so generally in my role, I worked a lot with like comms stuff, communication stuff to try to get especially because this year has been online like there's an even bigger barrier between like students and the university and engaging with like university activities so I really with the BME success program I was helping a lot with social media and I worked a lot on the WeChat as well which is for predominantly Chinese international students um, just to get the word out there about different events that the uni has going on and different opportunities specific to their um, groups. So there were like some um, scholarships or certain events that would only be on for certain students. So just pushing the word out about that. Um, I also helped BME Success Advocates with the work that they are currently doing. So just assisted them with any projects and events they had on. Um, also assisted my manager Rob Yu with any events he had on so like I was 
helping in the background with different things like the Lord Bartang event or the um, race equality um, series that we had, which was like a, a four week series, which had like um, Judith Squires and um, some people from the race, like the race equality steering group. So just like different things like that. So I helped in the background with things like that. And also I helped with like, I organized this um, belonging fund. So I was in charge of it. And basically it was um, a fund for students to, um, to apply for, to put on events, which increased belonging between the students. So for example, there was an event we had on for um, that specifically targeted like black female travelers and just like help them um, with, any background information that they might not have had access to um basically so yeah that's what i worked on <laughs> that sounds so interesting and so many different aspects of your role as well i think and what's the success program again sorry is that the... oh, sorry. yeah i oh, know sorry <laughs> the bme success program is the be more empowered for success program and basically that targets students from um, Black, Asian and other ethnic minority backgrounds, basically just non-white students. And it, um, it focuses on belonging, which is what I mentioned before. And there are three aspects to the programme. So you have reviewing events and belonging. So the reviewing team, um, which are, so all these advocates are student workers, by the way. So the reviewing team will have two students in each faculty working with academics on um, making the curriculum more decolonized. So um, as the focus of the chat is, so you'll have some students working with academics on like creating focus groups or like just trying to get more um, ethnic minority participation into different opportunities like some mentorship programs and the events team um, puts on large events for um, the students which um, focus on the sense of belonging so in the past there's been um, what events have there been so this year basically events and belonging have merged into one because most things have been online but in the past there were more large-scale events which were typically more flagships so like the race equality series would have been an events program um, is an events program initiative and then belonging team have like regular um, belonging projects which students can come to and can like just chat about different problems that they have so for example there's black men and women talk there was the Zazi project there was also Food for Thought, which focused on um, South Asian backgrounds and particularly female South Asian backgrounds. So people from those different backgrounds have a safe space to just come chat and offload. And it's just a brilliant safe space for students to have. Like whilst I was a student, I loved going to those events because like you'd always leave feeling so much more validated in whatever you were um, feeling and you'd also be like am I the only one feeling this way but then you go and then someone will bring something up and then it'll remind you of your personal experience and then it those types of things help with students feeling belonging to the universities because they have other people who a have gone through things and also like by going to these um sessions 
you know of more university initiatives that are going on you're more involved in the student community and you just feel more at home with the university that sounds amazing it's like a sort of a community isn't it um which is really nice yeah um i guess sort of moving on specifically to decolonizing the curriculum which um you mentioned previously as well um i guess we could sort of, i think we could start by um getting your definition of decolonizing the curriculum and sort of how you understand um decolonizing the curriculum um, so I personally understand decolonizing the curriculum as like a complete removal of all the racial and ethnic barriers there are to um, academia and for people to engage and to thrive in academia. Um, so this includes obviously the, the academia itself. So like making sure the content can be as inclusive as possible and as diverse as possible so that you're hearing from different voices which is tough with for example things like history as there weren't always opportunities for people from a diverse background to give their opinions on different things but I think by starting now I mean things have already started but I think by pushing more now you get um you get better academia and academics because people will understand things from a more diverse point of view and um yeah so also like decolonizing the curriculum counts on social issues as well so like people from poorer backgrounds have fewer resources and less access to like um to books to the internet even just everything that you could have to thrive at university even just the time people from um more marginalized more marginalized backgrounds tend to have less access to time to do to focus on academics so it is um also removing that from people and these naturally tend to disproportionately affect people from a non-white background in the UK so that's where like the racial and ethnic aspect comes in but also by like doing all of these things you in turn benefit white um students who also come from um, disadvantaged background so it's not really just about um, helping or boosting um, people from ethnic minority communities which it obviously is about it's also about like helping poorer white students and even like wealthier white students get to learn about more things because the curriculum is more diverse you have when you are being taught about different histories and from different perspectives um, or different sciences and from different perspectives you get to understand things more and you in turn become a better student so it helps everyone in the end so yeah yeah that's that I think that's really important it's decolonizing make it's an enriching process because it it provides uh, spaces for so many different perspectives and it's an enriching process and I think that's really important um, I guess, how would you sort of see the work of, you know, the student inclusion team? How do you see the work of them? And how does that relate to decolonizing the curriculum? Um, so um, with the student inclusion team, um, so I'll focus firstly on like the BAME student inclusion officer, who's Robbie Salisu. So his work mainly um, focuses on like overseeing the BME success program, which has those 
three um, branches that I previously talked about. So all of those things, as I like in the like more social event side, that helps to decolonize the curriculum because people can come to university and feel more at home at university and want to carry on studying and they'll be more likely to stay in education. Um, but also there is this focus on like academics. So trying to um, let the lecturers know that they probably shouldn't be saying slurs during um, their lectures and also that they should have, um, so for example, I was working quite closely with um, a BME success advocate called Shannon, who work, who's a history undergrad student. And she's just completed an amazing research project in history on how they can decolonize the curriculum and how they will go on to create a decolonizing the curriculum working group for history. So in this project, she talked to um, Bain students as well as white students and got their perspectives on history and how their um, how their education and what they've liked being educated by being educated in Bristol and what they could think could be improved and this specifically on like the decolonizing aspect um, so there's things on making sure there's more named history of people from a non-white background because there tends to be um, they have really well documented again this is all also things that can't be helped but we, we know for the future to change so like in like the past they'll have all these amazing lists of names of like white people who went to Kenya and did xyz but then the actual Kenyans who were working for like um, decolonizing or um, independence they won't be named so you have so much there's just something about the names and the focus of people and also with like um, different projects, different modules in history. They'll always, even if it is a global history unit, there'll be a Eurocentric perspective on it. And it's like, this is global history. We really need to learn about global history from the natives of those countries and what they were doing there instead of what um, colonizers went and found over there. So it's like different aspects of that. Um, so yeah, so that's what Robbie is working on essentially. And there's also um, decolonizing the curriculum working groups, which I previously mentioned, which has been set up really by the SU that um, Robbie is now assisting with. And it's making sure that these sustainable working groups, which will constantly be checking in on um, the schools and faculties to make sure that they are hitting their targets that students do feel more included in the curriculum that students can see their histories being portrayed and portrayed well and properly um, instead of it just being one focus group and not being touched again because i feel like sometimes as a student it can feel like you're giving so much emotional labor and you don't actually end up seeing the final product of it you don't see where it's gone to you're just offloading a lot and nobody's actually doing anything so the creation of these working groups is really good for there to be um, a sustainable and um, regulatory body almost on the um, school's decolonizing practices and also there's been as I've, I've been mentioning history a lot um, but there's been one that's trying to be set up in geography and there's also one that has already been set up and well established in medicine and medicine is one of those that when you see, think of decolonizing you only think of like 
social sciences or like um, as I mentioned loads of times history or something but like medicine is so important because you're sending these medics these doctors out into hospitals to treat a wide range of people and really they actually only know how to treat um, 60 percent of their patients they don't know what eczema looks like on 40 percent of their patients they don't know what all these different um, medical terms will um, like illnesses or ailments will will actually affect and manifest in different people so like things like your skin should turn blue me as a black woman my skin doesn't turn blue how will the doctor know that so it's things like that and again as I mentioned before it's creating we're creating better students and Bristol University by focusing on decolonizing you're bringing people out with a more knowledge of the world and we live in a more globalized society like you won't just come across anyone who looks the same like now especially in the UK so it's good to be able to able to leave university with an actual complete education and as well-rounded an education as it possibly can be so yeah yeah and that's yeah really so true um and I guess sort of on a practical side what do you think are some sort of practical ways that we can decolonize the curriculum and I guess maybe you know taking some of the work that the student professional team are doing and sort of how can academics maybe use some of the, the ways the things that the team are doing and um, sort of within their curriculum or within their modules for example um so things like so if I talk more widely on the student inclusion team with like the mature students, they need more. Um, it's sometimes they just don't have the time to actually do assignments or they need some uh, lecturers who are more accommodating to them because they typically have carer duties or like they have dependents. So making sure you're um, when you do give work out or you are like um, creating a timetable for your 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 teaching you do take into context as many students as possible or if a student does come back to you and say I need x amount of time being willing and able to be flexible and understanding that not everyone comes from your specific background they do need different adjustments and also naturally as I think many of us will find and know the people who engage in these things are um are from these specific backgrounds or are people who are naturally more inclined to care about decolonizing curriculum but it's great that we have everyone who cares about decolonizing the curriculum working towards it but what we need is everyone working towards it and it's about um it's about making sure that you get your colleagues who may not be as um as willing to give up their to change their um their curriculum or their learning objectives to suit and to be evolved to evolve over time I think it's maybe doing that um that teaching maybe so for example like is that making sense yeah so doing the teaching on behalf of those students who are from the marginalized backgrounds because the a lot of the um emotional labor does fall on them and because it is something usually that personally affects them it's hard to always be the person giving the information and like trying to um 
change things like they already do so much and most of them are students as well most of the people who are working towards this are students themselves so you if as a academic could do take on some of that labor and encourage your um, co-workers to be more accommodating to other people and like have more wider readings on your um on your topics just things like that Yeah, that kind of leads on quite nicely to my other um, sort of question as well about why you think it's so important that, um, you know, the university and students work together um, sort of in this decolonising process. Um, yeah, that led really nicely, actually. Yeah, <laughs> yeah literally, it, it is like that because it's personal to a lot of people. So it's hard to be always giving your, like, your two pence on a situation when that is you yourself like it's really tough sometimes um so yeah people do need to like there needs to be a sharing of the burden but also like as a student when I was a student and I think everyone who's a student knows there's only so much you can do there's only so much like talking and petitioning and like social media and all of that that you can do without actual participation from the university and I think from now that I'm a staff member and even like um through like being part of the BME network committee I saw a lot more of what the university was doing but I think one thing that university needs to be better at is communicating that back to students because that doesn't always reach the students like that they're doing xyz you normally just get the bigger picture which can sometimes seem and usually seem quite tokenistic so it needs to be more in depth um we are doing this for you we are doing that for you because as a, like a new staff member I've realized so much more that the university was doing that I'll tell my friends who are currently students and they're like oh I never knew that and it's a massive shame so um yeah I think one thing the university definitely needs to be better at is actually finding a better way to communicate to students maybe um but yeah what else I think yeah mainly that taking on the burden and communicating better and always evolving so once you've reached a target make a new one and yeah yeah I think that's really important because I think a lot of a lot of times it could not maybe seem a bit abstract as well um exactly. whereas like yeah, yeah sort of specifically saying sort of you know, this is being done and sort of seeking feedback from students as well can be really helpful learning yeah. from that feedback um yeah so there's currently like so the BME success program came from the 2017 um students um research which was by the SU and it was about um ethnic minority student experiences whilst they were at university and then that brought out the whole lack of belonging thing so that's where the university has been working towards for the past few years and more recently a new survey just came out about um, targeted towards non-white students again about their most recent experiences and how they found the BME success program so hopefully this goes on to become a new published um, set of research, which the university again will work on and improve on and create new initiatives from. So there's an exciting time, like exciting processes in the works, but yeah, it's just, again, as I mentioned, just translating that back to students that this is what's happening and this is why it's happening. Yeah, 
Yeah, I think that's really important as well. So it's just how it is like an ongoing process um, and it is consistently evolving and, and you know, consistently happening. And yeah. I guess, do you sort of have any final points or anything? Sort of um, a little bit. <laughs> um, I'd say probably like the work of the student advocates, like with the ME Success Advocates, is amazing. And it's like they put so much effort into um, just all their different projects. And you can really see that translated in like how the students who participate benefit from it. And also, like, Rob Yu and his work is just so incredible as well, just to like working with so many different departments to put on things for a wide cohort of students and all the inclusion team do that as well like they work for a crazy number of students and they all put their all into working for them so it's amazing no it is really amazing and um, yeah thank you so much for like um yeah talking to us today it was such an interesting discussion i think and yeah really amazing I think you know the work of student inclusion is so important and you know the advocates and things and I think it's sort of really making sure that um you know so many different perspectives being heard and that that's like translated across the university and then also translated back to the students again as well um, yeah. and making that very collaborative process almost exactly yeah thank you so much thank you for having me I hope you enjoyed listening to this podcast and my interview with Nana and I'm very sorry that you had to listen to all the feedback from my microphone um, but if you have any questions then please do get in touch and there is a transcript of this interview in case you missed anything because of the feedback.